You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Jesus, we even pause now in your presence. And may the first prayer from my lips, even from this stage, God, be thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all the overcomplicate, the world just overcomplicates it. But would you bring us back today to the simple gospel that you paid it all, Jesus. So now I just say, as we open your word, would you open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, open our hearts to receive what you would have for us. We already sang it, but we say you are welcome here. This is your house anyway. Come and fill it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Good morning, church. You can go ahead and take a seat at every campus. Happy Sunday. Happy September. Uh, Happy football season, I guess, to all those who celebrate. I don't care. Um, I'm sorry, I I don't. Uh, Happy September for those who love fall. I rejoice with you that it is coming for you. I would like to remind you there are 20 days left of summer, and I would like for you to respect it. And that's that's it. Uh, The only other thing I want to say about fall, we do understand that the fall semester is just getting started. Students are back in school. You're getting back in in a rhythm. And one of the things that we felt... I want to say like compelled to do, not that just that we planned to do, was to create some uh, group content for the fall to help equip you, equip your family to come around the word in groups together, and specifically going to be about how to live as a citizen in exile. And if you're like, I was born in Easley, I'm, I'm not in exile then I just want to open our eyes. If you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I just want to clue you in, whether it's Easley or Myrtle Beach or Charleston, that is not your ultimate home. That we came from somewhere and we are headed somewhere. And while we are here on earth, then we are sent and are actually living as citizens in exile. Scripture calls us sojourners. It's why election season is always uncomfortable. See? Because... Culture is telling us to do is focus on someone else to fulfill us or solve a problem when we realize that's not our ultimate leader, that's not our ultimate hope. We put our hope alone in Christ. He is our leader, He is our governor, He is our king, He is our judge. Let's keep all those claps in 2024 as well. So we want to equip together some groups' content for you for you to get around a group, come around some people. Republicans, Democrats, you know, whatever, and and learn how to not live left or right, but up, kingdom down. So if you want to sign up for a group, uh, then we would love for you to text groups to 30303. I would highly encourage you. Some of us are trying to fight for unity alone. And that's not how that works. Uh, You've got to look people eye to eye to have those tense conversations. Iron sharpens iron. You don't sharpen iron apart from each other. There's friction that works together. So we want to sit around a group, come around this content. um, And just a heads up, if you are watching the videos, they're me. It's a lot of me. Sorry. It's from God. I just tried my best. So encourage you, sign up for groups. It's going to be great. Some of them start as early as next week. So get on the text game. 
Okay, now uh, I want to bring us around. I get the honor of concluding today our Scent series where we are looking at the book of Acts. We're kind of using it as our guide to see how God has sent us into the earth. This phrase we've been using the whole time, it's not gonna come up on the screens, but we believe that God loved the world so much that he sent his son, and God loves your world so much that he is sending you. And one of the reasons we even wanted to do this series, the heart behind it was because um, there was a recent study with, with Barna, and this stat became apparent. This is the current reality of our culture that 47%, nearly half of millennial practicing Christians say it is wrong to evangelize. Specifically, that it is wrong to evangelize for the point of conversion. And honestly, the stat broke our heart to the point of like, it is, and I'm not, listen, I'm not putting this stat up here as like, how could you? This is not a stat bringing up to shame anyone. I'm not even putting this on you. I'm saying as a church, we realize this is our responsibility to address. Because apparently there's some things that have led the way to the stat becoming true in our world. And I think there's a few reasons why this is now the reality of our current Western church. I think maybe the first reason this has become true is, is truly, especially over the past five years, the church has done some things that have caused people to distrust it. And I get it. Listen, people falling, hidden sin becoming apparent, and now you feel like it's almost wrong to evangelize because the church has done some things wrong. And I just want to say this out loud. I love the local church. I believe the local church is still the bride of Christ. I believe she is still beautiful. I want you to be a part of your local church. I hope if you choose this one, you will be an active part. But the foundation of our faith is not the church. The foundation of our faith is Christ. Nobody's asking you to convert anyone to New Springism, but to convert to Christ. I hope this this series has helped clarify some of that. But maybe that's not your reason. Maybe I think the reason the stat could exist is because of just some theological gaps. Like you don't understand, or maybe you didn't understand coming in, like what it actually meant to be a Christian and what it meant to be sent according to the Great Commission. I hope this series has helped clear up some of those theological gaps that actually when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were then sent into the earth to bring more people into the family. But maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you kind of feel this way, uh, not because of uh, the first two, but oh yeah, you feel maybe just ill-equipped. Like, what do I say? And I hope the past two weeks with Dan and Clayton's message has done uh, a job of equipping us to what to say when we go and share our faith. And the last reason I think the stat probably exists is just quite simply, we're afraid right? It's nerve-wracking. It's scary. Like, I know there's sometimes where I feel bold and I go out and share my faith and then I did it. And it's like, you wake up the next day and you're like, I got to do it again. And so that's the, actually the last thing that I want to address today is that we are not sent in fear, but in boldness. And I want to, and the worst thing I could do today was to come, you know, and be like, don't be afraid. You're like, thanks. That doesn't help me. But to actually give some practical ways that we can be sent in boldness and partner with the Holy Spirit once again. 
And the way I kind of want to do that is, again, we've been using Acts as our guide for this, but uh, I want to actually zoom in on the life of Paul and Acts. You know, on your phone, you can see the big picture, but you like, we all do it when it's a picture of a group, but you zoom in on your face. Or just me. Just to see, you know. So Acts overall is about the early church, but so much of it when you zoom in is actually following the life of Paul. I mean, he gets uh, converted in Acts 9. He has this miraculous encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. And then in Acts 13, we pretty much follow Paul the rest of the book. I mean, he's planting churches all over the place. He's in Corinth. He's in Ephesus. He's in Philippi. Those may sound familiar. They're also letters, books in the Bible. Uh, He gets put in prison a few times. He has a little bit of a falling out with his friend Barnabas. He finds a spiritual son named Timothy. Uh, He starts a couple riots. Interesting. And then it gets to the point at the end of Acts where his life kind of slows down a little bit, and we see him sent arrested and sent to this place called Caesarea Maritime that actually I got to go to Israel earlier this year and got to see this place. It's actually quite beautiful. Herod had a great idea when he built a palace there and everything, but I have a picture for us of Caesarea Maritime. There it is. So this is like their amphitheater over here, you know, where they'd see the plays and the musicals for all my musical people. And then if you keep walking this way, Skirt. This is Herod's temple, seafront property, not too shabby. Also, Herod was a real turd, and he had palaces everywhere. I'm serious. He just was like, look how great I am. It's all over Israel, but notice there's only ruins left. And this is what building only for man gets you. And that was a side sermon. So this is his palace. This was his pool that was fresh water. This is salt. This is fresh. This isn't Myrtle Beach. That's not as easy back then. Also, if you go to the beach and go to the pool, what are you doing? But, and this is what was called the Hippodrome, which is where they would have races. Think of like Ben-Hur and Gladiator and the chariots racing around. And um, actually, can we go ahead and put the photo of the Hippodrome up there as well? Classic hippodrome picture. So just imagine, you know, the chariots, they go like this. We actually took Fuse to Israel once, and um, I challenged the kids to a race because I have a problem. So this is where they would race, and this stadium in its heyday would hold about 13,000 people. This is the sound that shakes the Holy Land. You know what I mean? This is like, sure, NASCAR. I don't know if. Horses make the, but that's where they would race. And just within the past year, they found, if I could go like right in this general area, well, I think it's more this way. Anyways, right beside the Hippodrome, they just uncovered this jail cell. Boom. I always joke that you could take a shovel to Israel and you're going to find something. Um, So in just the past year, they uncovered this jail cell that is right underneath, right beside the Hippodrome. And it's believed that this is where Paul was kept for two and a half years. Uh, Brad actually mentioned even a few weeks ago that it was in this place that Philip was. Remember, he and his daughters would come and they'd take care of Paul while he was in prison. Okay, so I just want to leave this prison cell up here and I want us to engage our imaginations today, okay? 
imagine sitting in this jail cell and the absolute just energy that would be coming from those races at the Hippodrome that are happening just on this side. Okay, imagine the stampeding, I can't do it on this, my iPad, the stampeding hooves that would have just been going on over his head. Imagine the roar of 13,000 people as they're cheering on the champions of their day. Imagine those sounds just reverberating off of these prison walls. And at this point in his journey, we know Paul's towards the end. He has one more place to go. He's going to Rome where he would eventually die. And we know at this point that he'd actually already planted the church in Corinth and that he'd already written his letters to the church there. Now, I don't know if you've ever had your words come back to haunt you, but I think Paul's words that he'd actually written to another church come to encourage him as he's sitting in this lonely jail cell with the stampeding hooves, the roaring crowd, the immense energy of the crowd as he sits alone and these words that he himself had written to the church in Corinth come into his mind. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Imagine these words resounding in Paul's head with the roar of the race going over him as he sits alone in his cell and thinks, this is my race to run. He'd been sent and sent and sent, and now he's being punished for it. And yet he knows if this is the race God has marked out for me, I want to run it, and I want to run it well. And these words from Paul that encouraged even himself, I believe, come forward into our generation and are sent here now to encourage us that like Paul, we can run the same. Because I think sometimes we have like, we read these and we read Paul as if he's some superhero and not a human being just trying to live obediently sent like you and I. We can't become so familiar with biblical characters that we miss their humanity. Because I look at the life of Paul and I think, how in the world did he do that? And I believe these words he penned to Corinth that now resound in his head in this cell come forward to us to encourage us. So that's how we want to end this series is looking at this passage. And I'm going to give us three ways today that this encourages us to be sent boldly. Hopefully they're so practical to take into your week. Remember, Here at New Spring, we want everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. We're here to be equipped. May these points, may these takeaways equip you to go out and run your race well. So I got three points, three prayers. We're going to pray and be done. Sound good? All right, let's get it. Number one, from this passage in 1 Corinthians, I believe Paul would encourage us, hey, saints, run your race. Notice your is underlined. 
Run your race. This is so simple, but so real that many of us cannot run the race God has marked out for us because we're too busy watching the race he has marked out for everyone else. I will, Brad. If you couldn't hear me at other campuses, you'd say it again, and I will. Many of us cannot run the race God's marked out for us because we're too busy watching the race he's marked out for everyone else. How hard is it to run when I take my eyes off the finish line and I'm looking side to side at you? You actually slow down. You veer off track. And I believe this is a, this is a focus issue. This is a perspective issue. And this is actually one of the whole reasons Paul wrote the letter to Corinth in the first place. He says in chapter one, verse one, it's been reported to me, dear brothers and sisters, that there is rivalry among you. True for Corinth, true for us. Come on now. You know that comparison and competition creeps in to our race of being sent. And comparison and competition are great dampeners to the Great Commission. It is, I cannot be sent if I am busy comparing myself to your race, competing with your race. Now, how do we know this has crept in? How do we know if comparison and competition has creeped into our race? And I believe there are three feelings that you feel that compete with being sent, okay? Okay. Three feelings, and those are, we don't feel sent, but we feel stuck, stalled, or settled. We know comparison or competition, is, I'm going to walk through these. We know comparison and competition has creeped into our race, and we've stopped running ours, when we don't feel sent, but we feel stuck, stalled, or settled. Here's what I mean. I'll go first. I told you I always want to lead the way in vulnerability and confession. I'm going to go first. I know personally that my bent, when I know I've stopped running my race, is when I don't feel sent and I feel stuck. I love where God has sent me. Come on, Anderson, South Carolina. Was sent, I thought I was coming here to play softball and God actually gave me a skill to get to me a place to do the thing I was actually called to do. So cool. I love that two weeks ago, I got to go to Anderson University and speak to some BCM leaders and see students who are now leaders at BCM who I remember when they were in the sixth grade felt good. They're in their 20s now. I love that I get to go to Fuse and I see leaders leading small groups who used to be students. I see, I don't know if Jennifer Hofer is in this, but I remember like she's been raising up disciples for generations and she's still here and I love it. I love running into 25, 25 of y'all in downtown Anderson and being like, man, downtown Anderson's really coming along. I love that. until I see a friend who God sent to New York City start posting their after church Upper East Side brunch. And I'm like, I guess I'll get a mob of pins. I don't know. <laughs> meet and three, baby, meet three. I love being sent here until... I see my friends he sent to Charleston, go to the beach after church, and man, that must be a struggle to be sent there. And all, listen, it's funny, but all of a sudden, I don't feel sent here, I feel stuck here. 
And God wants to bring some awareness today. Young people, I'm going to specifically speak to you. And I know a lot of you over here, so I'm going to speak to you. It is so easy to look at some future version of you or some future destination and think, then I'll be sent. But you are sent right here, right now, to Anderson University, to Sonic. Hey, Coastal Carolina students, if that's where your race finds you, then you are not stuck there. Then you are sent there. And one of the narratives of the enemy is to get you to think that when I leave AU or when I finally get that position or when somebody sees that I finally have a worship leader gift, I'm sent to the nations. I need you to lead a small group. And I'm just going to pick on these AU students. I'm talking to other young people. That is great that you feel a great call of God. I hope he fuels that passion. He fans it into flame. But you better start practicing that gift now. Some sixth graders, hello, Fuse is growing and sixth graders need help. Help, help. (laughs) Maybe that's not you. You don't feel stuck, but you feel stalled in your race. I actually wrote this down. I want to make sure I say it right. Um, Stalled, the literal definition of stalled is to stop running, typically because of an overload or immense strain. I think there's a few groups of people this could apply to. You feel stalled. You can't run your race because you're stalled. Um. There's a thing going on in the earth right now, and it's called, uh, I don't know what it's called. Oh, the paralyzing paradox of choice. What does that mean? You have so many options in how to be sent that you end up doing nothing. A very simple way to explain this is, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Now, again, one thing I love about being sent to Anderson, less choices, less problems. But this is real. Some of us see so many options in front of us that we end up just standing still and we're stalled. And the Holy Spirit's saying, one step, one move. You're at work, guess what? That's where you're set. You're not stalled, you're sent. Hey, maybe you're a new believer. You got saved during this series and you left so excited. And all of a sudden you got home and everything that, about your life that needs to change started rolling through your mind. And you see people in church, and I'm like, turn to 1 Corinthians. And you're like, what's a Corinth? You're like, I could never get there. And you're like, these people just seem to know what they're doing. Well, first of all, let me just encourage you. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're just trying to follow Jesus one step at a time, the same as you. One, you listen to the Holy Spirit. You run your race. This is what I love about Jesus. He does not want to run your race with you the same way he ran it with somebody else. It's personal. Just take a step. Hey, some of us are stalled because pain has just about taken us out. I want to slow down. I want to address you. Listen, I don't know if it was an unanswered prayer, the healing that didn't come, the loss, the church that hurt you, whatever it was, and you're doing good just to show up at church. And I just want to commend you. You're doing better than you think. Keep choosing Jesus. Keep showing up. Keep engaging in worship even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes the competition is even with a past version of us. You're not in competition with some version of you that felt stronger in their faith. Jesus wants you right now where you are. You are not stalled. You stick with him and you just keep moving.
And the last one, maybe you're not stuck, maybe you're not stalled, maybe you're just settled. And I would say this is probably a lot of believers. And the competition and comparison becomes you look side to side and you're like, well, you know, I'm getting the family to church. I'm not like, there's no homicidal sins in my life. And I'm doing better than them. So I'm just going to lean back, settle in, and I'm good. And I just want to say to you, church, the blood of Jesus is too costly. The mission of Jesus is too urgent. And the love of Jesus is too rich for us to to settle in and not run our race. I had a scripture I was going to read, but I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to put this prayer in front of us. Pray this today. Pray this this week. This is a prayer for this point to run our race. Holy Spirit, am I stuck, stalled, or settled? Take a picture of this. Write this down. This is, again, equipping you this week to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Saints, we've got to run our race. But not only that, Paul encourages us, number two, discipline your body. Discipline your body. Here's what I truly believe, that boldness is less of a feeling we have and more of a discipline we learn. I'm going to say that one more time in case you missed it. Boldness is far less a feeling we have and much more a discipline we learn. Think about it. Most of the people we would consider like so brave, they're actually just really well trained in what they do. Like if you're a fireman at any of our campus, first of all, God bless you. I pray for, t- for protection over you. But they're, it's not just that they're brave. They are so well trained in what they do. A brain surgeon, you would not call someone brave who just starts operating on a brain. Yeah, awkward giggles because that's like, what? No, they're just so well-trained. Teachers, you're so brave, especially if you do fifth grade and below. And I know that my mom has been a teacher for over 30 years. There's like nothing. She, and she's like, I'm not that brave. I've just been trained in this for a really long time. Hey, maybe you think public speaking, like maybe you think me, Dan, Brad, Clayton are like brave. We're not brave. Do you know how many, I'm literally going to show you this. I don't know if you can see. This is my iPad, okay? This is my whole message. Man, she's so brave. I wrote on every word. Some of you are like, man, she's so funny. Some of them I write down. And listen, I I was, even this morning, I like told some of my close friends, like, I still get nervous every time. I'm not that brave. I've just trained myself that when we pray, when we sang earlier, child of weakness, watch and pray, I'm aware. And what is available to all of us as Christians is not just go, be bold. It's trained in it. The Holy Spirit is a great helper, but he will not do it for us. You go to have conversations with your friends or family about the word of God. What is the Holy Spirit going to pull from if you're never in your Bibles? 
How are you going to operate in patience if you're never still? Brad talked about running toward the whisper. How are you going to run toward the whisper if you never train to hear his voice in private? We're bold because we've trained in it. Even Jesus did this. It says in Luke chapter 2 that he increased in wisdom and stature. That word increased literally means to beat metal as with a hammer like a blacksmith. Jesus in his flesh had to discipline his body in order to walk in the spirit. Boy, do I need to. Paul understood this. He was just agreeing with the way Jesus did it. So now we don't read our Bibles just because that's what good Christians do. We read it to encounter God, to get emboldened so that we can go out on mission. We don't just pray because like, you know, the biscuits at Cracker Barrel are good. We pray to encounter God, to get, we said at the beginning, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. And then we are sent out. We've been trained. So I'm just going to put a list of the spiritual disciplines on the screen. Again, equipping for the week. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I do believe it's pretty holistic. I would love for you to take a photo of this. Another great place to get this is we have this new thing called the internet, and you can Google what the spiritual disciplines are. And here's what I want to encourage. As you seek with the Holy Spirit this week, here's not, here's not what I'm saying. Go become experts in all of these this week. Okay, no. With the Holy Spirit, ask him to reveal what is one. What's one this week that you want to train in with me so that I can get a little more bold? Okay, did everybody get a photo? Myrtle Beach, I was there like half the week. Y'all better be taking photos. Okay. Now with this comes another everyday prayer. I mentioned it, but I just want to put it in front of you. Holy Spirit, show me areas of my life where I can be more disciplined in order to be more bold. Got it written down? Got a photo? Y'all know I can see you. Take a photo. I was just saying, I can see. I see people sometimes on Sunday, they're like, you can see me? I'm like, yes. What do you mean? There's lights in here. Um, anyways. Maybe you just captured it in your heart, and that's okay too. All right. Third and lastly, the thing that Paul encouraged us to do, keep your eyes on the prize. And this is a perfect time to talk about why I hate working out. I know, you're all thinking it. I hate working out. I hate it. People are like, you just got to find something you like. I've tried it all. CrossFit, circuit workouts, running, <laughs> hate it. I hate it. Long walks I like, but that just feels like I'm not 92 yet, you know. But here's why I've realized I hate working, because I was an athlete. You would think, like, oh, I've been trained in this. But when I was playing sports, there was a prize to be won. You know what I'm saying? I didn't sprint across the field for like my good, if I'm just being honest. I did it because there was a position I wanted to play and a game I wanted to win. I didn't lift weights because I wanted to look like jacked. 
I did it because I wanted to hit bombs, you know. That's why. And I did. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, 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 no. Don't clap for that. Thank you for the keys. Bring the spirit back. Oh, Lord. But genuinely, I didn't work out just because. I worked out because I knew what there was to be gained. And I was just laughing, and now I'm about to cry. Because there is coming a day, saint, when I promise you We will not have regrets because of how much we risked. We'll have regrets because of how little we did. When the clouds part, and they will. When the trumpets resound, and they will. And the joy set before us descends. I'll be like, oh, I'm so glad I ran my race. Because this is who was waiting for me on the other side. I don't always run because I like it. I don't always live boldly because I like it. I do it because of who has sent me and who I'm running to. Brothers, sisters, Jesus is the prize. And my prayer last night into this morning had been that, Holy Spirit, would you reveal just how worthy Jesus is? Many of us do not have a boldness issue. But what we have our boldness in may be the issue. There's this beautiful quote by Henry Nouwen that I just wanted to finish with. Great author, pastor, and he says this. Everything changes radically from the moment you know yourself as being sent into the world. Times and spaces, people and events, art and literature, history and science, they all cease to be opaque, just something we're looking at, and they become transparent, pointing far beyond themselves to the place from where you come and to where you will return. Psalm 84.5 says, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. A Christian knows I see Jesus there and there and there and there, and I cannot wait to see him in full. This is the joy set before us. This is our great prize that one day Jesus himself will be the reward at the end of the race. So what do we do? We run our race, we discipline our body, and we keep eyes on the prize and Jesus is it so here's what I want to do to just kind of close our time is I already said two prayers but I'm going to put all these prayers up here together that's the one about being running your race this is the one about disciplining your body and the one at the bottom is about keeping our eyes on the prize and again These are prayers to be prayed in response now through our week and beyond. Because this can feel a lot like, you know, before a big game and the coach 
just knows how to spin those words that you're like, let's go. And then you get out into the field and the team's like twice your size and you forgot to drink water and it's hot. And you're like, I forgot every play we've ever run, you know? We need these reminders along the journey to keep spurring us on in our faith, keep running our race. So I'm gonna invite you now actually to keep your eyes open on these prayers and just invite the Holy Spirit for a moment. God, we're about to respond. We need you. We need you to show us if we're stuck, stalled, or settled. We need you to reveal any areas where we've just been undisciplined because you want to embolden us. And we need you, Holy Spirit, to show us just how worthy Jesus is. And as you keep these prayers in mind, the band's going to come up. We are going to sing. But I'm going to invite all of us to respond. If you need some like training in boldness, maybe you've, I got to pray with a woman in Myrtle Beach last week and I kept telling her she was so brave because she'd never responded for prayer in a church service. Grown up her whole life, never responded in prayer. She came to the front and just admitted, I don't know what to say, I just know I need help. Train in that boldness today. We're gonna have a prayer team all along the front. Come and let somebody lay hands on you and pray for you. Maybe you're here and you realize, I haven't even started running my race because I've never given my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then today is your day. There's a cross at every campus and I would compel you, encourage you. Why don't you hit a little gallop to that cross? Your race starts maybe as you just pick up some speed as you get to the cross of Jesus Christ and realize I've been trying and trying and trying and trying and I didn't realize that all Jesus wanted was surrender. Hey, maybe as we sing, you need to stand and worship or sit and let the Spirit speak to you, whatever it is. Maybe you need to give in this time. Maybe you need to be reminded of the blood of Jesus Christ and come forward for communion. There's communion tables at every campus that are for believers to remember the payment that Christ has paid for us so that we can even run in the first place. With all these things in mind, everyone has one thing to respond so I'm going to invite you now at every campus to stand to your feet. Ministry teams, you can go ahead and move to the tables, to the front for prayer. Hey, and I just want to, church, before I pray and I get off the stage, is to encourage you. I'm going to run my race, but I promise you I'm going to run it beside you. Not to compete, not to compare, but because we all have a leg of this race to run. And I pro- I'm going to do my best to not give up. Don't you give up either. Keep running with Jesus. Let's go out into our week sent, running our race, disciplining our body, and keeping our eyes on the prize. Let me pray for us and bring in a respond. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters right now in Jesus' name. I bless them, God, with the beautiful spirit of submission. Right now, God, would you embolden someone's heart who needs to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior to move as soon as I say amen? Would you empower some, some men in the room to come along with their family and be like, hey, we've been settled and it is time for us to live sent. Whatever it is, God, Holy Spirit, we invite you, speak now. We love you, it's in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.